another privilege, another opportunity to come into your house to worship you in spirit and in truth. Another opportunity to proclaim your word, to hear your word, to apply your word to our lives. Speak now, Father, for we do listen attentively to hear word from on high. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Again, I invite you to turn with me to our text for today, Mark chapter 5. And I want to read verse 30 down through verse 34. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Verse 34, and he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I want to preach today with the help of the Holy Spirit, and I solicit your prayers from the subject, Pressing our way through, pressing our way through. In the text for today, Mark shares two remarkable episodes from the life of Jesus. The first episode begins with Mark 25, verse 1, when Jesus goes across a lake by boat, and a large crowd gathers around him. The crowd is there because now his popularity as a preacher and as a teacher and as a healer is growing. His ministry is gaining momentum. It's making a difference. People are seeing that wherever Jesus is and whenever Jesus shows up, there is a vast difference. Things are happening. People are now coming to see for themselves who Jesus is. So they are tracking him. They, they've heard about him, many of them, but they are tracking him. They, they are curious. They want to know and they want to see for themselves who he is. Mark tells us in the crowd that day was a man named Jairus. Now, Jairus was a man of prominence. He was a man of prestige. He was a man of power in that he was what was known as a synagogue ruler. Now, even though he was a synagogue ruler, even though he was a big man in the synagogue, if you will, even though he had power in the religious realm there at the synagogue, even though he was a man of prominence, a man of prestige, a man of power, Mark lets us know that he was not exempt from the troubles of the world. Even though he had power, prestige, and prominence, he was not exempt from problems. Even though he had a position in the synagogue, 
which was the temple, the place where the Jewish people worship, he still faced a troublesome trial in his life. His trial was this. He had a, a little daughter. Most commentators, commentators believe that he was, Tatus believe that she's about 12 years old, a little daughter who was sick, and, and the Bible says she was sick unto death. That was a term they, they used in those days that meant a person was sick and they were not going to get well. That's what the Bible means when it says she was sick unto death. In other words, the prevailing medical opinion concerning Jairus' young daughter was that she was not going to make it. Now imagine how Jairus must have felt. When the doctors could no longer help his baby girl. I've been in a lot of hospital rooms. And I've been with a lot of families. And I've been with families, and I'm sure Pastor Harris has. I'm sure Dr. Jennifer has as a medical doctor. Where the, the, the prognosis is we've done all that we can do. Oftentimes it's followed by, either preceded by the words, I'm sorry. But that's what Jairus was in this position in his life. This man with all of this power, this man with all of this status, this man who was actually working for God in the temple, and yet he gets this disturbing news that we've done all that we can do. Jairus, she's not going to make it. So it was bearing the burden of this painful prognosis concerning this daughter Jairus in verse 22 and 23 verses 22 and 23 uh, is in the crowd and he sees Jesus and when he sees Jesus he all of that status goes out of the window you know trouble has a way of doing that to us doesn't it all of the titles went were laid to, to rest all of his position and, and prominence was, was laid to rest Jairus falls at the feet of Jesus and tells Jesus of his daughter's illness and he asked Jesus to come and just put his hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Tremendous story. Then verse 24 says, so Jesus went with him. He started on his way to, to, to go to Jairus' house and, and, and a great multitude followed him, and, and the New King James Version said they, they thronged him. That meant they pressed up against him. Some commentators mean that uh, say that they were even pushing him, pushing themselves against him. But Mark tells us that Jarius was not the only one in the crowd that day who was desperately needing help. Desperately needing to get in touch with Jesus. There was a woman in the crowd who had been subject to bleeding for 12 long years. Mark tells us that she suffered much because of her situation. And you can only imagine the, the, the social stigma and the religious implications of her sickness and Mark tells us that she had been under the care of many doctors under the care of numerous doctors in other words she had gone to 
to the, to the primary care and to all of the specialists and they had called in their friends and they had called in their friends and they had collaborated they had put themselves uh, put their opinions and their ideas together but instead of her condition showing any signs of improvement she got worse but when she heard about Jesus like Jairus and many others had heard about Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, she concluded that Jesus was the only one who could pull her up out of her valley of despair. She had been to everybody else, but now she has concluded that Jesus and Jesus alone can help men. We, we like that sometimes, aren't we? We face the challenges and difficulties in life. Sometimes we feel like, and we might even say, Lord, if you don't help me, if you don't come through, if you don't provide what I need, if you don't touch me, I'm not going to make it. I understand what everybody else says, but now I understand fully, God, if you don't intervene, if divine intervention doesn't take place, I'm not going to make it. She heard about Jesus. Verse 27 says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. Uh, imagine that she came up behind him in the crowd. Verse 28 says, because she thought she reasoned, she believed, the, the word thought, she believed if I just touch his clothes, if I just touch the hem of his, God, don't have to hug him, don't have to grab, if I can just touch, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And verse 29 says to us, immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Now, there's some lessons from this woman's life, and I've read this story numerous times, and I've always, I've always admired her, but I admire her now even more now at this stage in life than I did when I read this as a much younger preacher. Because I've gone through some things and I've seen some things. So I understand the wisdom of this woman's ways. And so there are some lessons from this woman that will help us if we would just embrace them and, and follow and follow them. There, there are some things about her life that we can uh, admire. She teaches us some things about, about pressing. We can learn some, some, some things uh, uh, from this woman if we just watch her story. And so, but first, we can admire her faith. She teaches us a lesson, a lesson about faith. It's a faith lesson. She believes so much in the power, the personage, and the position of Jesus that she was confident that just a touch would do. Now, that's faith. She had enough faith to believe that just a touch would do. I remember back in the day, uh, a hair product called Brill Cream. 
Some of y'all might remember that I even got me a tube of Brill cream when I had hair. Yeah. Because the marketing strategy used to promote Brill cream was, uh, was a slogan that said, a little dab will do you. In other words, it didn't take a whole lot of real cream. A little dab will, will do you. In other words, it didn't take a lot to get the job done. You see, far too many people in the 21st century postmodern uh, world in which we live characterized by rapid technological advancements and uppity attitudes have been duped by what's called the mega mentality. What is the mega mentality? The mega mentality suggests that in order for something to be valid or valuable, it must be mammoth, it must be large, or it must be huge. But this woman of faith in today's text had a different point of view. Her point of view was this. I ain't got much. I ain't got no fancy title. I ain't got no important job. I ain't got no political clout. I ain't got no economic stability. And I ain't got no social status. And I ain't got no religious standings. In other words, she would probably testify that because of my sickness, I can't even get in the temple. I can't even get near the priest. I ain't got nothing of this world's goods. In fact, in fact, to undergird this, this point, this principle that I'm, I'm making here, something jumped out at me at the text. While, while the Bible uh, names many names, even of, of names of women, the text does not even introduce her by her name. I mean, even Jezebel got her name in, in the Bible. And, and, and Rahab, but this woman, the text does not even mention her by name. In fact, she's just introduced simply as a certain woman. So it is in the text that tells us that all this certain woman had to bring to the table was a touch. Which was all right because in her mind she believed by faith that a touch would do. You know, we can learn some things from this woman. We can learn what Jesus said if we have the faith, the size of a mustard seed. We can say to yonder's mountain, be removed. But we've been bombarded with this bigness and this idea that it, it has to be a whole lot. But, but we can learn from this woman that mustard seed faith is important. We can learn from this woman that God can take a little of what we have and make it into a lot. We have a little bit of faith, a little bit of faith, a little bit of faith convinces us that nothing is impossible with God. But second, 
second thing we can admire about her and the second lesson uh, uh, from this woman we can learn is it's, it's a lesson about fortitude. Fortitude. Um, her stamina, her strength, her stand power. Just imagine what it must have taken for her to move through that crowd and touch Jesus that day. She had to get up, obviously not feeling well. You know what it's like not to be feeling your best. You know what it's like to be feeling sick. You know what it's like. And some people say to be feeling a little puny. You know what it's like not to be feeling well. You, you know what it's like when you're not feeling well. You're self-conscious about your appearance. Yet you are compelled to go anyway. This woman was compelled. She had the stamina. She had the strength. And she had the stand power to go out into the streets among the people, get this, who knew her, who knew of her condition. People who had been judgmental. People who were believing that she was sick because she was a sinner. People who would speak or even think these words, you wicked woman. You've gotten what you deserved. Had you not done this, or had you none, not done that, you would not be in the position you're in. Some perhaps thinking in the crowd that day, you brought this upon yourself. But it was her stamina that caused her to go out, even though that kind of attitude and mentality was prevalent. And then in the midst of, this malady of this misery, the barrier between Jesus and the woman was a large crowd of needed people who were also pressing around Jesus. The Bible lets us know that they were all jockeying for position and pushing and shoving in an effort to ensure that no one got their needs met before them. This is where she was in the midst of all of the pushing and the shoving. But the woman did not allow the problems of others to rain on her parade. She refused to be deterred, discarded, discouraged, or dissuaded. The obvious condition of her mind was this. How I got sick is in the past. The fact that I'm broken or broke is in the past. What people say about me is in the past. What people think about me is in the past. All that matters to me now is that Jesus cares for me, and I must press my way through the tears, press my way through the fears, press my way through the years of heartache, misery, and pain. I must press my way through and connect with Jesus. Perhaps somebody listening to this today is like that woman. But you need to forget about past mistakes. You need to stop letting them keep you down. You, you need to forget about what negative-minded people say or think about you. You need to understand that Jesus loves you and wants a relationship with you. 
And, and, and out of that understanding, you need to press your way to him today. Press through the issues of your sinful self. Press through your doubts and press through your fears and press through negative self-images and come to Jesus, get this now, just as you are. It's amazing that the woman said, I must get myself right before I go to Jesus. No, no, she went to Jesus just as she was. The woman in the text refused to be stopped. She, she was determined to touch the clothes of Jesus, so she pressed on. Third. Lesson and the third thing we can admire about this woman is her forthrightness. She was straightforward in her presentation to Jesus. Even though she was afraid, she came clean with Jesus and she told him, get this, the whole truth. Notice the text, verses 30 to 33. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. Yet how can you ask us who touched me? Jesus, you see the multitude around. We don't know who touched. How can you ask us who touched you? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had, had done it. Oh, I know in his divinity, he, he knew who touched him, but his humanness, his humanity was looking around. Who touched me? Verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. Now let me show you the deafness of this woman's forthrightness with Jesus. Notice the words, whole truth. In verse 33, whole truth means that it's confession time. Whole truth means this woman cleared her conscience and told Jesus the intimate details of her sinful past. Whole truth means that this woman trusted Jesus not only as the healer, for her body, but she trusted him to be a cleanser for her soul. The hymn writer Horatio Bernard penned these words in 1846, which I believe fits this woman's story well. Horatio wrote, I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down thy weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. And here's where this woman comes in. I came to Jesus as I was. I was weary, wounded, and sad, but I found in Jesus, I found in the Lord a resting place, and God has made me glad. Happiness was not found, and gladness was not found, and joy was not found in people, places, and things. She found joy in Jesus. Then notice how Jesus responds to the woman's forthrightness. 
Verse 34, Jesus said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. The combination of the has healed in the text means has saved you or has made you whole. The idea here is that Jesus pronounces to this woman that not only have I rescued you from your sickness, you are clean, but I have saved you from your sin. Now go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So the woman went away, the Bible says, whole and free from suffering and sin. Her sin. Oh, may it be today that God gives us pressing power. Oh, be it may it be today that God helps us, good hope, family, and friends press through the storms of life, press through the troubles of life, press through the trials of life. Oh, may God give us faith and strength to press through the uncertain days ahead. And like the hymn writer of old who penned these words, may it be our testimony. I'm pressing on the upward way. You know that testimony said, I don't know what other people are doing. I can't speak for anybody else in society. I can't speak for Washington. I can't speak for anybody else. But as for me, I'm pressing on. The upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Because of Jesus, I'm getting better and better and better and better every day. I'm not where I want to be, but because of Jesus, I'm getting better. Better every day. New heights I'm gaining every day. Get this, still praying as I upward bound. I'm talking to God about my situation. I'm talking to God about my trial. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. I'm telling Jesus. Still praying as I upward bound. Get this, Lord. Place my feet. Lord, plant my feet. Lord, in these uncertain times, put my feet on solid ground. When we press, we keep our hand in God's unchanging hand. When we stay in step with the master, he'll work everything else all right. Come what may, sickness, God will work it out. Come what may, trouble, God will work it out. Come what may, difficulties in the profession, God will work it out. You just press and keep your hand in God's unchanging hand. God will. God will. God will take care of you. That's the message of the church today. That's the message in a troubled society that God will. He always has. 
God will take care 